understanding of our Bill of Rights should be had by every single American. But since our public schools have now become nothing more than indoctrination camps, the fact is that Americans have become quite ignorant of what the Bill of Rights says and even means. American freedom is most certainly under attack right now in this present time. And if we do not fight to defend our individual freedoms, then we are soon going to lose it forever. It will be gone. Our wayward politicians don't even try to hide it anymore. They plan to render our Constitution an artifact of history once and for all. They want to make it obsolete. And yes, so far, we have allowed it to happen for a number of reasons, but primarily, I suppose, primarily simply because we have allowed ourselves to be passive and submissive to all the illegal mandates because the government said it was for our own good. And we believe them. And in my mind, that is pretty pathetic because what is at stake here? It's all about our freedom. But despite that, the winds of change may actually be starting to blow. And this is why we must really know inside and out what it is that our Bill of Rights actually says. It's important to know what you're defending because you simply cannot defend that which you don't know and cherish. I welcome you to Unity Without Compromise. This is your host, Dr. Steve Latulip. I am speaking today uh, regarding the Bill of Rights, and this is part three. It's very important to know what it says, because when we know who we are and what we truly stand for, then and only then can we hopefully better defend those rights as Americans. And so today I plan to discuss the second and third articles of Bill of Rights, that is the second and third amendments. I'd like to summarize their purpose and stress the importance of these two uh, bills and then discuss the shortfalls that might be presented with them and then explore how they are being attacked if they are and Finally, how we must defend those rights. So with that being said, I'll jump right into Article 2, which is very familiar to most Americans, regardless what side of the pendulum you're on politically. Article 2 states, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, I've already aired two shows pertaining to the Second Amendment. The first was titled A Second Amendment Scenario, and I discussed in that show uh, what actually might need to happen before we finally were to get to the point to say we need to overthrow our government because it has gone rogue. It has become corrupt. That's why we have the Second Amendment. The second show that I aired was titled, Is God Pro-Second Amendment? And in that show, I actually discussed uh, the particulars of 
whether or not we have a right before God to take action in a way that is corroborating with the Second Amendment. In other words, does God give us a right to overthrow a government? That's the basic question. And I tried my best to answer that question in that show. But today, what I'd like to first do is summarize Article 2. First of all, the right to keep and bear arms means that the government has no say in the matter of gun ownership. That's, by definition, what a right is. A right is not something that you have to earn. It is not something that is rewarded or awarded to you for any circumstances. It is simply something that is inherently owed you by the grace of God because it is an entitlement. The Second Amendment, or Article 2 of the Bill of Rights, also states that a paramilitary, that is soldiers, apart from the government fighting force, is essential to guarantee and to maintain a free nation. This fighting force should be well regulated. That means it needs to be organized. The soldiers of the militia need to be trained, and they would have to be well-supplied, supported by the, the local people, and also be capable of taking on the powers that be in a rogue government, if necessary. We need to understand what Article 2 states. The right to keep and bear arms was not written for the purpose of allowing guns so that we could go hunting or even for home self-defense or personal defense. It doesn't deal with this subject at all. And that's very, very clear to understand because a lot of people are misguided on that point. Not that those rights are not important. Yes, we should have the right to self-defense to protect our homes and so forth. But that is not what Article 2 of the Bill of Rights says. That is not the subject of that article. The Second Amendment is specifically written to defend our freedom against a government gone bad. Now, why is the Second Amendment so important? Well, remember that the Anti-Federalists, which was that group that distrusted a too powerful federal government, were convinced, so convinced, that a fighting force apart from the government is necessary, necessary, not optional, to assuring that we remain in a free state, that they would not sign on to ratify the Constitution of the United States without having the Bill of Rights in place. Now, remember, had the colonials not been armed At the time of the Revolutionary War, there would be no United States today. It's a very clear fact that we need to understand. The British military force was just too powerful at that time. The British government was way too impressive. And in fact, that is what inspired men to go to America and then to become an independent and free nation. They wanted freedom from oppression. Now, with regard 
to the Second Amendment, I know that so many people get squeamish when we actually talk about and discuss taking on our actual own government, fighting it and overthrowing it, because that talks about violence and bloodshed and war. And we all hate that stuff. And if we don't, then I feel sorry for you because I do detest war. But it doesn't mean that war is always wrong. And it certainly does not mean that war is never necessary in a sinful world. Sometimes, under certain circumstances, there simply are no other options. We need to realize that when our founding fathers generated the Second Amendment, these people knew the Bible. They were understanding of Christian principles. It, it was something that guided many of their lives, and it had a great deal of inspiration and impetus to actually produce the Bill of Rights. Why is the Second Amendment so important? Well, if you have ever read George Washington's farewell address, and I recommend that every single one of you read the full address, this document should be on every American's must-read list because President Washington accurately foretold the inherent dangers of a multiple party government. And that was a big concern to him and others. President Washington in that address accurately foretold the inherent dangers of a multi-party government. And here's a sampler of what he wrote in the, the words of his uh, departing letter to America. Listen very carefully to just this short segment. George Washington said, the unity of government, which constitutes you one people, is also now dear to you. It is justly so, for it is a main pillar in the edifice of your real independence the support of your tranquility at home, your peace abroad, of your safety, of your prosperity, of that very liberty which you so highly prize. But as it is easy to foresee that from different causes and from different quarters, much pains will be taken Many artifices employed to weaken in your minds the conviction of this truth. As this is the point in your political fortress against which the batteries of internal and external enemies will be most constantly and actively, though often covertly and insidiously, directed it is of infinite moment that you should properly estimate the immense value of your national union to your collective and individual happiness, that you should cherish a cordial, habitual, and immovable attachment to it, accustoming yourselves to think and speak of it as of the palladium of your political safety and prosperity, watching for its preservation 
with jealous anxiety, discountenancing whatever may suggest even a suspicion that it can in any event be abandoned. And indignantly frowning upon the first dawning of every attempt to alienate any portion of our country from the rest, or to enfeeble the sacred ties which now link together the various parts. You see, George Washington understood very clearly that the time would come that people would try to destroy our union, divide it, enemies within and enemies abroad. It would happen, and this is precisely the reason that we have been given the Second Amendment or the second article of the Bill of Rights. It is extremely important that we understand why we have the Second Amendment. And if you are a Christian who feels that violence is always wrong or that we should not rise up against our government because Romans 13 says we should submit to a government, I would suggest that you're a little bit misguided because the Bible does not actually say that. Read Romans chapter 13 and do not get hung up on verse 2 because that is the very verse that is so often misunderstood by Christians. And in fact, think of this, if we are told to respect the government, to obey the government, and that is with reference to a righteous government, then this righteous government that we had that has given us 230 years of liberty and peace and prosperity, those very founders gave us the Second Amendment and said, we expect you to use it should the need ever arise. Now, that's being obedient to government if we do not forsake our calling as American patriots. If we appreciate and respect our freedoms, the values that we have or at least have had in America past, then we cannot just throw out or ignore the Second Amendment. We all have to be unified on that. We must also remember that a Bible-inspired government of righteous men told us that if we wish to forever maintain our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, we would need to keep ourselves armed and ready to fight. That's called resolve, even if it means fighting our very own government. So if that doesn't set well with you, please do work on getting over that, because that is part of being American. That is part of being one nation under God. Our founding fathers absolutely knew the day would come that we would be threatened by an enemy, and most likely a domestic enemy, and let me say it very clearly now, that day has come. It is here now. We, were at, we are now at that time in history, and we must not forsake our duty as Americans. Now, am I making a call to arms here? No, I am not. What I'm saying is we need to understand what the Second Amendment is actually all about. Our own government right now, ruled by the so-called Democrat Party, and perhaps even the majority of, uh, of Republicans, 
is literally out to get you and me and rob us of our freedom. We are seeing it all over the place. Our own government has gone rogue. You will never hear a Democrat appeal to constitutional rights because they have shelved it. They have disregarded it. They want us to forget all about the Constitution. We are in the process right now of being overthrown by this domestic enemy. Please let that sink in because it affects you and me in no small way. And without the Second Amendment, there will be no First Amendment. And without the First Amendment, we have absolutely no way. We have no way of protecting the integrity and authority of our Constitution. That is why Article 2 of the Bill of Rights is so very, very important. Just take a look around you. Does Australia have the right to keep and bear arms? No, they forfeited it because their government told them they don't need arms. The Australian government promised to take care of the people. Oh, don't worry. You have no need for arms. We will provide for you. We will take good care of you. And so our Australian brothers and sisters gave up their arms. Do you think that they are regretting their gullible trust in government now? Absolutely. They should have read George Washington's farewell address, because now they are telling us, our dear Americans, please, whatever you do, do not surrender your weapons. You will face tyranny, and that is a certainty. That is a guarantee. And to think otherwise is naive, extremely naive. I won't call it stupid, but I will think it. We must respect what our founding fathers gave us. And the Second Amendment is our guarantee that we will not suffer the tyranny that Australia has experienced. And what about France? And what about Great Britain? Our mother country, England, now, just now, has been declared free again from all the COVID politics. Yes, Prime Minister Boris Johnson finally capitulated and said, okay, that's it, it's over. But I would highly suggest to you that it was we, the people of England, who put pressure on him in no uncertain ways, and they meant business, and so he finally gave in. The question is, does he have a sincere heart? Is he a convert? for freedom and truth, including truth in the best medicine? And what about Austria? What about Russia and China and Sweden and Germany? Shall I go on? Every nation that has disarmed its citizenry is suffering severely. They are oppressed. They do not enjoy the God-given individual liberties that we have enjoyed in America. And we have taken that for granted so severely. We have been so spoiled because we do not recognize the gift that we have been given. And we must not 
forsake it for anything. There's been increasing talk in recent months and perhaps the past two years about the use of violence against the government. And that has been concerning some people. In fact, the Democrats have a reason to fear. They really do. They should be worried about the armed citizen because they are now attempting to overthrow our government. And they know it. This is the very reason the Second Amendment was penned. If you still so don't see the assault that is taking place on individual rights and freedoms yet, then you must be living in a cocoon. That's all I can say, because I, I can't think of any group of people in America that have not been significantly impacted because of these evil politics that are being played out right now. But still, despite all this, despite all the attacks on your liberty, on your right to, to visit with family, to celebrate your religion, to gather with, with your family for Christmas and for Easter and Thanksgiving, that has been infringed upon by your government. And you have to understand why they are doing that. They must destroy the Christian faith if they are ever going to take down an, Amer an American nation. The American empire was founded on biblical principles. If they can rob us of that, as they tried to do by closing our churches, and we, the popcorn Christians of America, ob obliged them, they know that if they can take away Christianity, then the rest will be easy work to destroy America. So please get out of your cocoon if you are there. Some people can't even discuss the Second Amendment because they simply feel it's promoting violence. Oh, I don't want to hear it. I just don't want to go there. Leave that alone. I can't agree with that. I can't talk about it. Let me tell you, that is very misguided. Rather, it is about preventing violence by the government. That's exactly why we have the Second Amendment. Please remember Nazi Germany. Remember the Holocaust. Remember man's inhumanity against man that occurred because of government oppression, because of dictatorships. And please don't turn your eyes away. Don't look away from what is happening. Face it, digest it, understand what is going on. And if you do, and as you do, your constitution and your bill of rights will gradually take on a more precious regard in your heart and soul. You will cherish the freedom that you have more and more because we have only begun to lose our rights in America. The worst is yet to come. And I guarantee you, our government will take it from us if we allow them to do it. Have you noticed that the feds recently just built a concrete wall around the White House? Hey, what's going on with that? Why are they doing that? What are they afraid of? Are they afraid of us? Should they be afraid of we the people? Or are they just afraid of the patriots? Should they be afraid? You bet they should. They are persecuting the American people, all of us. 
It doesn't matter if you're white or black or Asian or any other race. They are persecuting us. They are causing us to suffer. They are trying to pit you and me against each other at every level of society with race, with economics, any way that they can do it, they will conquer and divide us because that's exactly what they did in 1930s Germany. And we must not let it happen to us. But think about it. What is a concrete wall supposed to do? Come on, give me a break. This is America. Do they think, are they trying to separate themselves from the people? Well, yeah, likely so. Likely so, because let me tell you, they are afraid of the American patriot, and they should be. That is the explicit intent of the Second Amendment. And besides that, think of just the psychology of building the wall around the White House. That White House is our property. We pay the taxes to fund the White House. We pay the salaries of every government worker. Remember, they work for us. We do not work for them. And when they decide to take our freedom, we should have a real strong issue against that. I will not sit and allow them to harm my fellow Americans. I cannot do it. Why don't they take the wall and put it up on the southern border and defend our people, prevent the drug infiltration, the sex trafficking, all of the criminals coming into our country? Why are they doing that? Why have they allowed the wall to be open and all these people to flood in by the millions? Simply because the coup is still in progress and it is still happening every day. And our time is limited if we are going to change things. Please understand the importance of an armed citizenry for the explicit purpose of attacking and conquering a corrupt, evil, rogue government cannot be overstated. It just cannot be said too often. This is wisdom from above. It is common sense. And like it or not, we are now in a time of testing for this constitutional right, this bill of right that says we have a responsibility to protect our freedom. And saying this does not make me a bloodthirsty, war-hungry moron. It simply makes me a patriot and a lover of freedom and of the Constitution. I care about other Americans. I care about my neighbors. And when your rights are infringed, I get angry. We must never allow the domestic enemy who has now infiltrated our government to make us feel like we are, we are just a bunch of violent thugs because we support the Second Amendment. Now, if ever, is the time to support this right. As American citizens, you and I are obligated to support the Second Amendment. Does it mean we'll need to use it? Who knows? We absolutely don't know. But let me tell you this, to win any war, we must have a just cause 
We must have the means to fight and we must have a will to do what we must. We need the resolve to carry out our duties, our responsibilities, simply as American citizens. And if we haven't the will, then toss out the Second Amendment because it's useless, absolutely worthless. And that would declare us cowards and sheep deserving to be led to the slaughter. The Second Amendment is important because we are now being attacked openly, viciously, and deceptively at multiple levels. We need to recognize it, and we need to take a stance and do something. You're listening to Unity Without Compromise. This is Dr. Steve LaTulip. I want to take a short pause, and then I'll get back with you and be, and then to just discuss some of the shortfalls of the Second Amendment. Be right back. Fellow Americans, how did you feel watching footage on the news of domestic terrorists looting our stores and burning our cities down? Uh, you were probably disgusted and angry as much as I was. It's disturbing what's going on. Well, you'd be shocked to know that your shopping habits are supporting these extremists. Companies like Amazon, Nike, Disney, FedEx, it's an endless list, and they've been supporting these radical groups. Let's stop supporting companies that fund these extremist groups. We can all do our part. Visit shoptotheright.com and you'll find businesses in a nationwide database and companies that are aligned with our American values. Visit shoptotheright.com and let's all make a difference. Is a record player the best way to listen to music? Of course not. So why are you still taking vitamins that haven't been upgraded since the 1930s? Even if your vitamins aren't hard to swallow, it's time to upgrade to Healthy Cells pill-free, patent-pending microgel supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. They taste great, convenient on the go, and they're more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. To Unity Without Compromise. This is Dr. Steve Latulip on America Out Loud Talk Radio. My show airs at 12 and 5 Eastern Time on Saturdays and Sundays. And then it goes to podcast uh, Monday or Tuesday following. And I also write weekly articles. Please check those out. I discuss a good variety of topics. But my impetus, my soapbox, is just the title of this show. I am contending for unity as Americans, as Christians, as brothers and sisters of the great union. And we are here 
to hold hands, to gather together for the most difficult and challenging uh, course before us, that is to defend our liberties. I've been specifically discussing the Bill of Rights and namely the Second Amendment or the second article of the Bill of Rights. I've talked about what it means, what it says, why it is so important to us. Now, there's no doubt about it that there are some shortfalls with the Second Amendment. But let me say this, if there are any shortfalls in the second article of the Bill of Rights, it is primarily in its vagueness in how it would be implemented. Now, I've wrestled with this for years. I've struggled with how do we actually carry this out if we were to need to do that? Why were they so vague in giving us instructions on how to form a well-regulated militia? Who would be the militia's commander-in-chief? And how do we become well-regulated? How do multiple states, each with their separate territories, take on a federal enemy? The devil is in the details, right? But then, you know, the more I think about it, perhaps the vagueness was intentional. Maybe that was the reason for their vague and very succinct Second Amendment, simply because there has to be flexibility. When I was an aviator in the Air Force, one of our principal doctrines or dogmas, if you will, was that flexibility is the key to air superiority. And that's a very, very true statement. How are we going to carry out the Second Amendment if we need to do it? Well, it depends, doesn't it? We have a lot of options, a lot of considerations. Now, I'm not a great general or a great military strategist, but I have had some training And I am reaping some benefit from that. But let me just tell you that when there is a will, there is a way. And having flexibility can be a great strength if only we can organize. And I am convinced that we truly can. I'm not sure that the vagueness of the Second Amendment is really a shortfall anymore. I really think that it was now intentional we will find a way to get the job done should the need to do so arise. And that's what flexibility is all about. That's what American ingenuity is all about. And that is what the Patriot spirit is all about. And finally, that is one nation under God. We pull together, we get the job done, we restore one nation under God. We live by a standard that will guarantee our perseverance as a free state. And that that standard must be the Bible. When you're fighting for freedom, let me tell you, victory is in your favor simply because the fourth element of war is strongly present, and that's resolve. And when freedom is craved, Resolve is very, very strong. We need to also remember that when the Bill of Rights actually was written way back when, in the late uh, 1700s, life was very much different. It was a simpler life. 
We had a much smaller U.S. population. We had a whole lot less technology. In short, a Second Amendment surge actually would be a whole lot easier to implement then than now, or at least so we think. It would certainly be different to implement it in these times. But I believe with all my heart that if a Second Amendment surge was needed, I believe it would be no less effective now than it would have been then. The Second Amendment is not flawed in its content and purpose. It presumes rightly that insurgents will forever be knocking at the door with the hope of taking away your freedom so that they can oppress you. It assures you with blessing that you are entitled, yes, even obligated to overthrow any enemy, any enemy, foreign or domestic, who tries to steal away your liberty. We have to have that mindset. It assumes the Second Amendment assumes that freedom is dear to your heart, that your mind shall not have been weakened, and that your will, that you will be forever vigilant in spying out all the enemies of the land, and then forever be diligent in seeking and seeing that such enemies are actually quickly neutralized. How is the Second Amendment being attacked? Well, it's quite straightforward. We have gun lobbyists who are constantly trying to erode our right to keep and bear arms. They will attack us from every angle that they can. They will do anything to weaken, even in our minds, the concept of owning a weapon, a gun. They want you to feel guilty about every single crime. Every time a criminal shooting takes place, what happens? Activists see a new opportunity to call guns bad. Now that is a fallacy, a complete fallacy of logic. Gun violence happens because criminals act. Gun violence would happen much less often if all citizens were armed and if crime was actually punished in America, which it most certainly is not. It is not. Remember that gun crimes are highest, are carried out, executed in places where the strictest gun laws are in place. Look at Chicago, prime example. There is no stricter gun laws than in Chicago, and there are no, there is no place that competes with it for the number of homicides every year. Gun-free zones. Think about gun-free zones. I have been in Arizona frequently in the last several months, and I still hear, uh, as I'm out here, go into some stores, some restaurants, and they say uh, that this is a gun-free zone. Now, that's just plain stupidity, and I will call it that. A gun-free zone offers the greatest opportunity for gun violence. Upstanding citizens do not cause gun violence. Criminals do. Criminals do. 
If you want an example of how we are being attacked, look at Governor Kate Brown, the Marxist governor of Oregon. She recently established a new gun law and she passed it stating that all guns in the home need to be locked away, separated from ammunition. Now think, how practical is that for defending your home? It's not practical at all. And she knows this. The idiots in Congress in Oregon know this. They know it's not practical. There's also no way for them to enforce this law. They cannot bust into our homes and say, show us where your weapons are. We want to make sure they're locked and stored away. They can't do that. It has little to do with gun safety in the home, to be honest with you. Now, I am all for protecting the home, but also protecting little children that might have access to a loaded gun. Okay, we cannot be stupid. That comes with teaching children at an early age, teaching them to respect the weapon, show them what it is, have them learn how to use it themselves and warn them, show them, teach them that this is a weapon to be respected. It is a tool in the right hands, but it can be dangerous. That's what used to happen before. And how many problems did we have with innocent little children being killed? It wasn't that common at all. But they seek to wear us down to continually chip away at the uh, Second Amendment just very gradually. And so they call a weapon an assault rifle. Now, that is an absolutely asinine statement to make. This is deceptive language. An assault requires an assailant, an attacker. A butter knife can be an assault weapon. So can a fork for that matter. And so can a spoon in the right context. And so can a vehicle. As we have seen many times in recent years, assault refers not to an inanimate object that is not capable of assaulting, but assault refers only to a human action. So do not be deceived by the enemy within. Blaming gun ownership for the violent crimes committed with guns is nonsense. It's just the opposite. Look at Chicago. A madman who plows through a crowd of people commits a violent crime, and the vehicle is the assault weapon? No, not hardly. The driver is the assailant who commits the assault. And if the vehicle were to be declared an assault weapon, do we therefore seek to outlaw all private automobile ownership? Of course not. Common sense. You have to think logically. By the way, have you noticed that gun sales have been way up in the last couple of years? Have you noticed that ammo is a little hard to get because it is in such high demand? It does send a message, a very strong message to our government. And don't think that they are not aware of that. Maybe that's why they just built a concrete wall around our White House. But the government that now wants to take our guns away from us after some 230 years is afraid that we might shoot them for what they're doing. Think about that. What exactly are they doing? Well, look around you. Because if you think this, is, this corona mania is about a virus, you're all wrong. You are all wrong. This has nothing to do with a virus. The virus was fabricated with the purpose of 
overthrowing a government. If they're afraid that we'll shoot them, they must be doing something pretty nasty. And that is probably why the concrete wall now exists at the White House. If the government fears the people, there's a very good reason for it. They know right now that they are guilty of treason. They stole our election. This is not voter fraud. This is out and out treason, and we need to take some action. How do we defend our Article 2 of the Bill of Rights? Because the more that the Second Amendment is attacked, then the more it urges the people to arm themselves. Has the government not noticed that yet? The more that they try to take away our weapons, the more that the American people arm themselves. And let me tell you, I am thrilled to see it. Now, it's very important that we get training. It's very important that you learn to be a responsible citizen if you are to carry uh, a concealed weapon, but even to carry a weapon and have it in your possession at home, you need to learn to be responsible. But gun ownership is a very good thing. It is not a bad thing. I don't care who you are. Little old grandma, who's never learned to shoot before, needs to learn how to hold, hold and shoot a weapon, how to store a weapon, how to clean a weapon. That's part of being an American. And let me tell you, there's a lot of grandparents out there who, for the first time in their lives, are learning how to shoot. See, we defend the Second Amendment by supporting it. And how do we just support it? We own a handgun. We own a rifle. We learn how to shoot safely and responsibly, and we need to get some ammo and have a little ammo stored. And then, and then we need to pray that we will never have to implement the Second Amendment. On the other hand, we must always be vigilant, have the resolve to do it should the need arise. That is what our founding fathers told us to do. And I pray to God that we will honor a righteous government by doing so. And that's all I have to say about the Second Amendment for now, and I hope you will consider it strongly. Lastly, Article 3, and this is kind of a short one, it states, no soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war but in a manner to be prescribed by law. What this means in summary is that in peacetime, soldiers may not be boarded in private homes without the consent of the owner. And during a conflict or a war, soldiers may be allowed to room and board, but only according to the prevailing local laws of the state at the time of war. Now that is interesting, isn't it? How important is the article number three of the Bill of Rights or the Third Amendment? Well, it is the least cited of all articles, and a lot of people actually consider it to be obsolete in modern times. The issue really was the whole issue of Article Three is the right to privacy, and it addresses the issue of whether or not the executive or legislative branches have the power to authorize quartering or housing of military in both peace and 
war. And that's actually pretty important. There was a court case long ago, Youngstown Sheet and Tube Company versus Sawyer, uh, the, where the court actually ruled that the Third Amendment was intended actually by the founding fathers to constrain the federal government, namely ex- ex- the executive branch, uh, even during wartime, so that local government law could not be overridden in times of war at least with regard to one's private property. Now, that's a pretty important thing. The British Quartering Acts, actually during the Revolutionary War, allowed soldiers to reside in private homes in the colonies and even to confiscate food and supplies. Now, obviously, this was an egregious violation of the colonists' right to privacy. The Third Amendment made it possible for the property owner to refuse to allow a soldier on his property. What are the shortfalls of the Third Amendment? Well, it has limited utility in our time, I suppose. But if this became an issue, the only shortfall that I actually see in this amendment is that it it would not be honored during a time of war, as with all the other Bill of Rights. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now. A corrupt and rogue government will do what it wants, just like the mantra of the Church of Satan, which is, do what thou wilt. How is the Third Amendment going to be attacked? How is it being attacked? Well, currently, I suppose this is really not an issue, but if we do ever encounter a second revolutionary or a civil war, it really could quickly be attacked by ignoring during this article. This could lead to a whole lot of suffering as it did in the days of both the revolutionary and the civil wars. Private citizens were robbed of their home, of their supplies, of their food supply. And remember, food was often raised on the farm during those times. If the store shelves are empty, what are you going to do? Well, I guarantee you, whatever stores you have in your home are going to be very, very important to you, very valuable and worth defending. But how do you defend it? Well, if the time comes when we need to defend it, it will be a function of the armed private citizen. I'll say that, and I'll leave it at that. Defend your home if you must. That's the bottom line. You have an individual human right to be the king and queen of your castle, however humble or however great your abode may be. And that's important. I do hope and pray that this article will never need to be defended because it is most likely to need defending in a state of war. But defending the home is a basic human right. It's one that many people actually wrongfully assign to the Second Amendment. Self-defense of the home was never the intent of the Second Amendment. We need to realize that. The Third Amendment is actually more applicable to home defense. When you think about it, the bottom line, nobody has a right to confiscate your property. So defend it. Well, where do we conclude? The Second Amendment, let me just say this, it is indispensable to sustaining a free nation. 
we should not be afraid to claim allegiance to the second article of the Bill of Rights. It is a right. It is a right that has served this country well for 230 years. We need to learn from that. We need to respect it. And we need to cherish the Second Amendment if we intend to continue living in a free nation. Simple as that. We see the evidence for that all over the world right now. We see how valuable gun ownership is. And even with an armed private citizenry, we see how very oppressive a rogue government can be. Imagine what it would be like if we were unarmed right now. And because of that, I do openly encourage every citizen in America to secure a weapon, learn how to shoot and store a little ammunition. You might just need it someday. And please resolve to have the courage to use it if the need ever arises and do pray hard that it never does. But without a, a resolve, an absolute will to use those arms, the Second Amendment may as well be tossed out for good. The Third Amendment defends your right to privacy. And what is now considered to be obsolete is not. If ever we do see war again on our soil, and it is a possibility, we will quickly see how important this article actually is in defending our civil rights. We have a responsibility and an obligation as American citizens to stand up for the Constitution that has bestowed upon us so many gracious gifts that no other nation at any other time in history has benefited from as we have as Americans. It's an important thing to understand that freedom is not free. And sometimes the cost can be everything, including giving your own life. But isn't that just what Jesus said? Jesus said, he who seeks to find his life, preserve his life, safeguard his life will actually lose it. But he who is willing to give up his life to serve, to be a living sacrifice to his fellow man, he is the very person who will live, who will find life. And when we follow the Christian standard, we have a victory forever. We will have eternal rewards, not that we earn our salvation, but we are told very clearly in scripture that when we abide by the laws of God, which is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself, then we have rewards that will be reaped in the hereafter. And I don't know about you, but that excites me a whole lot. And for that reason, I will continue to fight for free speech, to fight for the right to keep and bear arms, and to be a responsible citizen. I will protect my home, 
by any and all means possible because I have that as a God-given right. And so do you. If we take seriously our responsibility as citizens of the United States of America, America's liberty will be preserved. We will continue to fly that great American, American flag, the symbol of the nationalists. If we forfeit it, then we are likely to see a new flag, a flag of globalism. And what will that flag be? Perhaps a sheep with a mask over its face. I don't like that thought, and I hope you don't either. You're listening to Unity Without Compromise. This is Dr. Steve Latulup. I simply want to reach out to your heart and ask you to be the best American that you can be, to be the best Christian you can be. Don't be afraid to sacrifice. Your freedom will cost you something. And if you love the Lord and you love your fellow man and you love your nation, your country, you will get up and do something. And I encourage you to start now if you have not yet. I wish you all a blessing. May you live for the Lord and may you serve your country and your God. Until next week, I'll you.